There's incredible personal freedom in truth, yet we spend so much of our lives showing up the way we think we should. The ways that will make our parents happy, our colleagues respect us, society at large accept us, and of course, the ways that will make us look good on Instagram and social media. In My Truth is the antidote to the shoulds. Be a fly on the wall as my guests and I dive into the untruths we're currently living with and work through them together in real time. I'm Sarah Regalhuth, your host, and as I recently updated my Instagram bio to read, I'm not one thing, but many. Professionally, I run Grow My Team. I'm one of the co-founders of the League of Extraordinary Women, but personally, I'm a lot more than that. Last year, I moved through a breakdown. I also moved through a breakup. I also changed my entire career professionally, sold my company, ended 17 years in financial planning, a lot of change. During this period, I had a strong calling to share what was going on for me, to share it publicly on my blog, on my social media. I don't know why, but I really felt that it was important to open up these conversations and share with people what was really happening behind the scenes of my life. This sharing resulted in a lot of people reaching out to me to have deep conversations. And I started imagining what would it look like if other people could listen in on these conversations? What healing could come from that? I knew that I was healing. I knew the people I was having conversations with were healing. And I really felt that if other people could listen to these conversations, to what was happening in real time, as we worked through things, that healing would come for many. And so on a drive from Vancouver to Colorado, a pilgrimage, I would say, where I was moving my life back to the state that has called my heart since the first moment I ever set foot in there, this podcast, In My Truth, was born. It feels healing and growing for me. I believe it's healing and growing for my guests. And I feel that there will be healing and growing for you, my listeners. So let's dive in. Quick disclaimer before we dive in, what we talk about on In My Truth tends to be very raw and can be triggering. I have included in the show notes links to resources and places where you can get support and help if you do find yourself triggered by what we talk about. Welcome everyone to this episode of In My Truth. I'm very excited to have a guest on the show who I've met through a bunch of mutual friends on Instagram that I have just spent... uh, four days with in Malibu, um, the Fit for Service crew uh, through Aubrey Marcus and, and everybody else. I've had loads of these people on my show, so I think you guys are all quite familiar with them. Um, but Connor and I met through Instagram. Somebody tagged somebody and here we are <laughs> about to have a chat. So I'm super excited to yeah. meet you. Um, yeah, Malibu was amazing. I just got back. I'm in Denver and loads of downloads and insights and things I'm working through. So I'm excited to see what comes up for me today. But tell us a little bit about you, Connor. Yeah. So I'll give you the little, the elevator pitch on me. Uh, so I'm the host of the Realness Podcast. Um, that's my primary identification, I guess. Uh, I'm also a coach. I coach primarily women, uh, groups, and individuals. And then I facilitate uh, retreats. I take people down to Soltara Healing Center in Costa Rica for um, ayahuasca retreats. So uh, generally just like I really enjoy helping people understand themselves a little bit more and at the end of the day, take life a little bit less seriously and and smile through some of the bullshit that we have to deal with. Mm, I love it. I actually just started Dieta for my second trip down to Soltara on January 5th. So there you go. Isn't it amazing down there? I love it down there. And that's something I love with our retreats. Uh, So my girlfriend Kelly and I, 
uh, are doing this one together. And it's, it's really neat that everybody, it kind of comes mm-hmm. together through this, like we met through Instagram or whatever, right? Uh, this is, it's a group of people who have something in common, but they're still kind of strangers, but there's like a little bit of like, it's like a Venn diagram that's kind of barely covering each person. Yeah. And it, it creates a space for really cool bonds. And I love Soltara. Like they, they invited <sighs> so me down. I was one, of, I was down there right after they opened and it, it's just such a cool place. It is. I went for my first time in May, which was also my first ayahuasca experience altogether. And it was, I felt so safe. So, I mean, I was really nervous and I was in a really bad place when I got there as well, or challenging place. So I felt so nervous, um, but I was very like taken care of. I felt comfortable. I felt like I got all the information that I needed mm-hmm. about ayahuasca and the experience and ceremony and what I was about to go through. And I mean, I've talked about it before on the show, but it ended up being one of the most profound experiences of my life. So I'm very um, excited to go back. I'm going back with a girlfriend from Australia who's coming all the way out here. She's been going through a lot of her own stuff and she asked me if I would go with her and it was, it was good timing for me because I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of ready to, I try to do like something off grid, whether it's silent meditation retreat or Soltara type experience every sort of three to six months just to really reconnect with myself. So I'm, I'm like, again, really nervous about what the mother is going to give me, but I know that <laughs> it feels like the right time and it feels good. Something about Soltara is to keep bragging on the place is like, you do feel so safe down there. And that, that creates yeah. in that environment is, is so, so awesome for doing some healing and some self-discovery. It is. And I think it's really important to feel safe, especially when it's your first time with the medicine and understanding and just feeling like you've got people there to support you and answer all the questions. And yeah, it was, it was perfect. It was so good. Perfect. Alrighty. Let's jump into our conversation here today. So what are you, what are you currently moving through? Um, this is, I'm, I actually love that I'm doing this podcast right now. It's funny how this all works out. So I just had, I have a good friend, uh, my best friend, Lindsay, and, um, my girlfriend and I had kind of like gotten into a little bit of a, not necessarily a, I mean, kind of a fight. We don't like fight that much, but it was like definitely a, a, a tension field filled, uh, situation. So mm-hmm. we got on the phone and she and I are so similar and she's about to graduate from, uh, she's, a, she's a, a therapist in training, right? So she, she's got the tools and I can talk about these things at a high level. It's what I do for a living as well. So we were talking about avoidance, like just avoidance in the manifestation of avoidance in my life through like being kind of a dick mm-hmm. and jabbing and needling and, and just the need to create distance, particularly from women that I'm close to mm. for a variety of different reasons. And this isn't something that's, that concept isn't new to me, but what I, I find so fascinating about life in general is how you think you can like have something sorted out, but it just gets trickier and trickier. It's a sneaky little motherfucker, right? It's like it's <laughs> up in a different way. So it's going to seem like it's not that thing, but it's still that fucking thing. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I have, I've been trying really hard and journaling and thinking a lot about um, why that's still present in my relationships and like what to do because the further, the more, the closer you get to like sorting it out, the more difficult it gets, mm-hmm. right? Like in this first, early on in your kind of personal development journey, you're kind of picking low hanging fruit, right? It's the things that are pretty obvious. And the more and more you get into it, and that's why even in psychedelic experiences, I think the more you do them, the more you understand what you're getting yourself into and the longer the gap is between, yeah, right? Because you're like, well, I'm going to figure some stuff out that's deeply rooted. I got to, I got to do the integration and do the work afterwards and have the tools to do that. So I'm deep in that place right now, just 
it, it's it, yeah, it's even hard to even because I don't articulate it well, even because I haven't talked about it that much. Are you avoiding something? This this argument that you reference with Kelly, you're avoiding. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like I'm, she I'm is the person I'm, in this context that's close to you that you're avoiding. Yeah, well, I'm just I'm pushing away, right? Mm-hmm. So you get to think, and I look back at at my life and think, okay, well, my my mom was an addict, and we're really close now, but most of my life up until graduating high school, like just not a healthy relationship. And so mm-hmm. when you have a parent that's an, an addict, especially with it's, it was amphetamines in this case, uh, one of the things I thought was like the first thing she ever taught me was like how to be disappointed. Right. Like mm-hmm. Cause like, they come back manic and they're like, Hey, everything's going to be fine. Uh, everything's better now. And, and then everything explodes. And so you just, there's a, such an inconsistency. And every time you start to trust someone like your primary Mother, you know, mother figure, which mm-hmm. I had my grandparents to kind of balance it out. They took, they raised me, but, but still it's, it's your mom. Right. So she would come into my life and then that was really, really hard. And it kind of patterned my relationships where every time I'd find myself in a healthy relationship, I would fucking blow it up. Mm. Right. And so that like need to blow it up is sometimes overwhelming. And it's fr- so frustrating to where it's like, it's ever present. Like it's like, I'm almost walking through my day-to-day life, looking at ways I can fuck this relationship up. Mm-hmm. So you're blowing it up to avoid the other person disappointing you. You're getting ahead of the game kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like creating exactly what I don't want, but because it's consistent and it's, 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 um, it's normal for me. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, that's, that's the, that's the pattern. That's it, at least it's predictable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, fascinating. <laughs> Very weird. Yeah. I'm like, so I went into this last weekend and I've just started dating again I broke, I had a breakup in May, no, March, sorry. I had about six, seven months just to myself. And then I'm like, okay, I'm dating again. And I'm like thinking about, I've kind of like rushed into it. I've got all of this stuff going on. And then I'm like, all right, wait, wait, wait. What am I actually creating? What am I cultivating <laughs> here? And so just thinking about my own patterns in relationship and all of that. And I go to this weekend with everyone that who is like super amazing, super conscious, self-development, everyone's awesome. And I've been declaring like, I want to attract more conscious people in my life. Like I want to be dating more conscious people. So I'm at a weekend, not that I'm dating anyone there, but this is just the context of my mind and where I went. Mm -hmm. I'm at this weekend with like a hundred other people who are so amazing. And all of a sudden I start feeling like, inferior. Like I don't belong there. I start thinking that I'm not attractive enough. Like it's coming out in every, in my mind is just like, you don't belong here. You're not good enough, whatever. I'm like, what the hell is it? And what I've been starting to get to like yesterday and this morning in my journal is like, I'm saying that I want to attract all these conscious people into my life and be around more and more conscious people. Like not just in, not just lovers, but friends, family, everything. And then I realized like all of a sudden when I'm faced with all of these people who are, I realized like I don't get to be the conscious one, the coach, the, the leader. And my ego is like, <laughs> but who are you if you're not that person, you know? And I'm like, oh my God, like uh, mm. that's what I'm looking at. I'm like, how do I get past that right now? Because that's been my role in every relationship has been to be like a little bit more of like the coach, the like I can kind of see what's going on and like guide us both through whatever argument or emotions we're going through. I'm like, Oh damn, what's it going to be like when like somebody's guiding me through that? So that's like my relationship pattern thing that I'm looking at right now and trying to 
get to. Yeah. Do you like to fix people? Are you a fixer? I mean, yes and no. Like I say all this, it's not like I haven't been dating people who are like totally need. Of course. Yeah. For sure. Like, I mean, I think I've had decent relationships. I was married for eight years. I was with somebody else for seven years. Like my, more my pattern was like, I've never been alone. Like that's something else <laughs> that I've been working on. But yeah, so I, I, don't, I don't think I date projects, but I think I have enjoyed the position and the righteousness that comes with like being able to see what's happening between our dynamic and like guide us through it. Doesn't mean I, I constantly lost myself in that as well. And I'm not also not saying to all my beautiful past partners that they didn't coach me and I didn't learn from them. But I think like, I'm really trying to, I'm, I'm seeing on my own journey, like, and I've had a lot of personal growth this year, um, a, mm-hmm. kind of like a bit more of a skyrocket. And when I think when those periods in our life occur, there becomes a lot of strain and tension on the relationships around us because all of a sudden we're expanding at a faster rate at this moment in time than we have been previously. Um, and I've been feeling that, you know, there's been resistance from certain people and, and things that have been going on. And I'm like, okay, I really want to lean into thing more conscious relationships, more conscious community. And I am, but I have to be in that community because I'm no longer like the one who's like, (laughs) yeah, no. And that's the thing. I think, are you familiar with Tara Brock at all? Yes. Yeah. So she's, she was really impactful for me early on. And, uh, I realized, and I, this still comes up, this is actually a method of avoidance as well. So it kind of goes in there <laughs> for his, like, and all, and all, you know, all the, all the, all the fuckery kind of tends to, tends to pull together. But, um, she talks about fear refuges. And I think that actually came from Pima, Pima children as well. She talks about these and it's really, really interesting to see how you're, from a place of fear, even at subconscious fear, you'll generally revert back to the same mm-hmm. place, right? Which can be withdrawal for a lot of people, which can be anger for some people. For me, it's self-righteousness, right? Like I, I, I use words well and I am relatively like intellectual in certain ways and, and also don't like being challenged. And so whenever that would happen, I would take like my, I would take my intellectual high road and make people feel smaller than me, mm-hmm. right? That was, and I did that as a, to protect myself and my family at first, but then that became like my general way of being. And growing up as like a, a fat kid, you get picked on a lot and mm. you don't really, can't really talk to girls. And it's like everybody, you gotta make fun of yourself before, just because it's gonna come anyways, you might as well be in charge of it. So it is funny to notice like that little, that little tendency to go like, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm scared here in a, in a way that I'm not comfortable being scared. Right. And then getting acquainted with that is so hard. Um, but then knowing like, okay, well, if I'm, if I'm getting into this like self-righteous place, that's me reacting to fear in a way that is unconscious, right? It's like, it's, yep. it's not perceivable, but you've got the, the investigation piece. That's why I love journaling so much. Cause you can really puzzle things out uh, when you're writing things down. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that refuge is more of an indicator of, okay, okay I don't think I'm scared, but I may just be, avoiding something within myself mm. and if I'm avoiding it within myself then I'm avoiding it um, externally as well. And I'm not inviting that in for growth. I'm, I'm, I'm literally running away from it. Totally. Oh man. It's like, have you read um, heal your wounds and find your true self? No, I've not. I've never even heard of that. Uh, this book is literally <laughs> like, it's the, the, you know, the book that you tell everyone to read and yeah, then you talk yeah. about it yeah. for hours on end. Yeah. That's that <laughs> book for me. <laughs> I just discovered it. Um, 
oh, I don't know, a month or two ago and I read it and it's so fascinating. It's not a, not a difficult or long read. It's five chapters around the five core wounds mm. um, that we all experience as children. So betrayal, humiliation, rejection, injustice, and what am I forgetting? Abandonment. My wound, my core wound is abandonment. <laughs> and it talks about the protector that we wear, the mask that we wear to counter mm. that. So exactly as you said, like if humiliation is a wound that we felt as a child, um, we will kind of, yeah, kind of be mean to ourselves, humiliate ourselves because we want to get ahead of it. And just like you yeah. said, like you, you kind of blow the relationship up to get ahead of that, um, the disappointment, which is potentially rejection. I don't know. I don't want to like psychoanalyze, but it's, it's fascinating. And my wound of abandonment, I created like a lot of dependencies in my life. People depended on me for different things. Um, and I like just, you know, hook into people and you cross that over with all the uh, attachment stuff, adult attachment theory. And it's like super fascinating how it all comes together. But this book (laughs) is just like so amazing to see that what, what hurts us, we end up doing to ourselves and we create these masks that we can wear to protect ourselves from the thing that we're most afraid of, the thing that we experience so deeply as a child. A hundred percent. And Dan Siegel talks about this. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not. He wrote the book Mindset. We're just going to keep just running off books here, but, yeah, let's but just it, talk about if books. you think about it this way, like you're <laughs> one, like we're, we are a process, right? There's no, there's no such thing as like a fixed human. Like the idea of even fixing yourself is kind of naive. Like we are a process as much as a river is a process, right? Just moving. Mm-hmm. So what tends to happen is that when you experience some kind of trauma, rejection, embarrassment, whatever that is, that part of you, that part of your personality, like your collage of personality traits that make you, you, um, it's essentially stunted in a certain way. And you'll see this is really obvious with people who have like abandonment or, or serious trauma is that when they get themselves back into the, a similar scenario where that's triggered, one, some dominant personality trait that is matured, like, right? So if you think about maturity of, the, of your personality traits over life, you should grow up, right? Like they should all kind of mature together. Like you as a 10 year old, isn't you as a 30 year old. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you can't have a similar personality. Your parents will tell you that. <laughs> you <know? laughs> but if you find a part of you that was repressed based on abandonment, rejection, fear, whatever it is, when that's triggered, you'll have these other personality traits that are dominant that will protect you from that, right? Which is a lot of time, like for me, like self-righteousness, right? Like that was a way for me to like bypass having to um, mm-hmm. accept re- abandonment. But when you really get into it, and somebody gets in there and relationships are great about this, you'll revert back to a, a childlike, very immature way of handling those situations. So you may seem like you have all your shit together, but then this abandonment wound gets triggered and you're eight years old again. And you're acting, oh and you're acting like a fucking eight-year-old. Like you're, throwing a, you're legit yep. throwing a tantrum. Literally, like I will start crying and then I will spiral into crying. And the feeling I have is I miss my dad. Yeah. Like I'm in the middle of an argument with my partner And all of a sudden I'm like, I want my dad. Like I literally am thinking that and feeling that Mm. and I am spiraling and spiraling. And, you know, I have that awareness at this point where I can observe and watch myself do it. But it is, it is fascinating to see and observe the experience of reverting into that childlike state. And I think whenever we're doing that, it's just an amazing thing to look at because you can, for us to dive into in our journals or in conversation or whatever, or in therapy, whatever it might be, because you know, it's a sure sign when we start to feel those childlike emotions, which are usually, you know, we're not very in control of them. They seem really kind of involuntary. 
and they're out of alignment with how we generally carry ourselves. Like, and you kind of know exactly. it, you know, you'll be looking back the next day, like what happened to me yesterday? Like, who is this? <laughs> like, I'm like pitching investors and like building my company. And yesterday I was on the floor crying because you know, my boyfriend and I had an argument, he was going to go home or whatever yeah. it might be. That's like triggered me into that place. And I'm like, Whoa, fascinating. Yeah. And if you can, if you can look at that almost like if you can embrace it as an immature childlike part of yourself, you can, it, it does change. It, it kind of takes the weight off of it a little bit, right? It's like, okay, well, that's a part of myself that needs to grow up a little bit. I need to treat it. I need to almost, yeah. and that's the reparenting of yourself, right? Is finding those, those parts of yourself that are immature and bringing them up to, to meet the rest of your mm -hmm. personality in a way that is, that is healthy and, and, and socially um, valuable for you. You know, it's, it's very interesting, but if you look at it that way, if you, but if you just resent yourself for those feelings, that doesn't do you any good. <laughs> it's just blocking them up. It it's like, okay, this is like, this is me. That's what I did for a long yeah. time. Yeah. I just resented myself, you know? And I mean, the other thing that I'm trying to figure through right now is like, as I've started dating again and stuff, like I want to have more conscious, even sex. Like I just want to have like conscious sex with people. I don't want to be just doing it because it's there. And I think I say to myself, Oh, like I'm pretty sexually free and liberated. I'm like, yeah, like why not just give it a try and see if you have a good connection and blah, blah, blah. But then I'm like, is that true, Sarah? Or like what I'm getting to right now is no, there's still something in you that's using that to justify getting sleeping with someone to get the affection that you need to get the love that you need. And it's, if I'm honest with myself about my experiences over the last month, like I can be like, yes, when I was with that person, like that was a very conscious, nice connection, whatever. When I was with that person, I was in a scarcity mindset. I was thinking maybe there's not enough men. Maybe I'm not going to have a relationship. And I made the decision to have sex with that person or to have some kind of intimate kind of scenario with that person to get those needs filled and met. That is, and that's another thing that it's, it's just coming out of me because I'm like trying to figure through it right now <laughs> <laughs> as these things do where I'm like, I got to, I got to sit with this. Like it's been an intense kind of month or so of dating again. And I'm like getting to see all of these behavior, these old behaviors and patterns. And I don't want to just change the behavior. I want to understand why do I even get to that scarcity mindset that I make that decision to do that, to feel that need that I have for affection and validation. That's something to do with I would say the abandonment stuff and my father and things like that. And I'm like, Oh, I don't know. Yeah. It makes total sense. And I think, you know, this isn't something that's said often, but if it seems to me that your ability to understand yourself and, and your self growth is really limited by your ability to be honest with yourself. And I think that's where people get lost in this a lot. And you brought that up. Like you're really questioning and doubt. And I think doubting your own like beliefs, quote unquote beliefs um, is important right? It, it is really, really healthy to have two contradicting ideas in your mind at the same time and let them almost have an internal debate about why you're doing a thing. And it's super, it's super, super important. And, and that self-honesty isn't something we just have. Like we're actually, as human beings, we've evolved not to be honest with ourselves. Confirmation bias is a major part of our, of our, um, of our like way of thinking, way of being. It's, it's a way to survive. And I think that's, you know, to, to, to keep, can you take this one step further? I think this is where non-monogamy has gotten so popular because it's a great way to make yourself seem holier than now, mm -hmm. right? And like, oh, I'm so evolved 
because I have all this love that I can spread out across multiple people when really it's, it's, it's a high level, very validating avoidance technique. Oh man. I think I'm, I'm practicing non-monogamy for three years and I think about that all the time. I'm like, what, what is this really? Like, this is really just a way for you to like get all of these like needs for like validation and love that you don't maybe know how to cultivate within yourself yeah. in a different way. I'm still, I'm, I've, I'm always very open-minded and I'm like, it's, it's what I'm exploring and serving and it's serving me right now. Um, and I may land that I love it and I find a really good place because I do have a feeling of like, I can love more than one person and I have love to give. 100%. And I, my vision for it is like the way I feel about my friends and my friendships, like that we have each have our own unique connection and we can all be friends with each other. And it's amazing. I'm like, maybe I can have that with my lovers as well. But you know, I'm very open to the fact that this could just be another symptom of everything that I've always struggled with, which is like wanting attention and validation from men yeah. wanting to ensure that I'm attractive, appealing, desired, loved. And, you know, I've cheated on people before. Um, and even when I'm single and I go for those, like that low hanging fruit or just whatever's there in front of me, I'm like, I look at all those scenarios and then I look at myself practicing non-monogamy. I'm like, okay, what is all of this really about? Yeah. And I don't think that questioning monogamy and trying different things is a problem at all. Right. Like I've, I've, I've lived in that for a long time and, and, and really committed to like, I'm not, I just don't think I can be monogamous. And I don't, I don't consider myself monogamous. I'm in a monogamous relationship, but it's like, I look at this and I say like, all right, well, that's, I, I don't, I don't want to really be in a camp either one. I don't want to be in the poly camp or the monogamy camp. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do what me and my partner decide is best for us now through a lot of conversation. Right. And that's, and that, that will evolve and change as life does. And Esther Perel talks about that a ton. Like you're going to be in, you know, even with the same person, you may be in four different relationships with that same person over the oh. course of 25 years. You just don't know. So look at this. I mean, how many different relationships do I have with myself <laughs> in a day, let alone with my partner? Exactly. Exactly. So, but I do think that that's, that's something worth bringing up where it's like, okay, well, I, this makes me feel not broken. That was my thing. It's like, I just don't want to feel fucked up and broken anymore. Mm -hmm. So I've gravitated towards that. And then through a long kind of, multi-year quest into just observing this thing i looked at it and it was like it was just for me a lot of the way that i was conducting myself was was just validating my own avoidance mm. and even looking at it now it's like it, it's different now but it's 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 still like feeling for example like my feeling with this this avoidance piece is uh, and this is what Lindsay and i talked about my friend and i talked about getting into this was i feel trapped right but nobody is doing anything to make me feel that way. And even if they were like, they said that, that, that's like, so the feeling I'm having is so distant from what my actual objective reality is that it doesn't make any fucking sense. So it's like staring me in the face. Like, dude, you're just, this is, this is 1 million percent your shit. <laughs> and it's like, I'm not, and I'm, I'm, I'm not acting from it, but I'm just like, mm -hmm. and since I'm, since I'm not acting from it, right. I'm just in it. <laughs> just like in it and like feeling all the feelings of all this, this, this feeling of like, Oh, well, I'm trapped, but it's like, no, you're not. And you don't like, that's not even right. That's, that's so far from rational. Not that, not that your feelings have any need to be rational, but they're rational to you. They don't need to be rational to the external world, no. but, um, it's just so fucking funny. It's so frustrating. We externalize everything. Exactly. Like by saying I feel trapped we're we're kind of saying that like, something is trapping me, poor me. Like I need to get out. And 
I mean, I've justified um, a lot of my behavior when in relationship on feeling trapped. Yeah. And now that I'm not in, well, I I do have a a partner, but we are very open and he lives in another state. So it's whatever I want. So I'm as... That's kind of, that's more more or less casual dating than anything else. Yeah. I mean, I'm in love with him, but, but yes, we have an arrangement and it works, but I am... I'm literally as free as I could be. Like, I don't even know what more I would want. Like I have money. I, all my companies are fully remote. I travel the world. My partner and I are fully open and he's, you know, not even living in the same state. So I essentially live a life of being single. So I have, it's like, I have pushed so hard to get the freedom that I have right now. And all of a sudden last Friday night, I get drunk and like hook up in a very unconscious way with someone that I'm not even sure if it was the right move for me to do. And I'm like, damn, I can't blame this on being trapped. I can't blame this on anything. So it's not anything to do with that. I got to look at like, why did I drink too much and make that decision in that state? Like what was I lacking in myself in those moments that, that led up to me getting myself into that and making that decision? Like I'm kind with myself. I'm compassionate. It's, it's really fine that it happened, but like, Oh, I can't justify. There's nothing external that I can put that on now. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. And, and in a lot of situations, it seems like we do those kind of things so that we're, we're proving or trying to get our partner to prove that even if we do something stupid and fucked up, that they're still going to love us. Or so, which would be like one validated that they're going to love us, even though we're fucked up or they leave, which is just confirming that oh man i did that in my last relationship (laughs) the whole time i pushed every single thing to the edge to be like how much do you love me and eventually he was like not that much and i'm like damn it (laughs) (laughs) i guess i got my answer cool and then i'm like well that where does that leave me this is great leaves me with myself with my shit to continue to work through (laughs) yeah and this is why i love i mean my favorite favorite teacher when it comes to to relationships is esther perel oh she's so good because you can look at the chris ryan's of the world and the sex at dawn type jam and that's very biased towards polyamory and evolution which is which is which is fine uh, and I love those books and I love Chris Ryan and what he's about. But at the same time, I look at Esther and I say, okay, well, she's actually, she's doing something that's, that's, I feel unique in the field where she's meeting people where they are without confining them to like, this is the idea of what marriage should be or relationships should be. It's, well, it's whatever you want it to be, Yeah. but acknowledge your shit, right? Like in that, in that, in a healthy relationship, in my opinion, you, you have the ability to bring this shit to the table yeah. and be like, here's my shit. <laughs> They're like, here's my shit. It's like, okay, cool. How can we, how can we construct our relationship to not avoid it and not, not walk around it, but just create a deeper understanding and, and agreements based on, on what that is. Mm-hmm. You know, She really is amazing. When, when I um, made the decision to leave my marriage, I literally listened to the first whole series of her podcast because it had just come out and it was, it was so helpful to me. And I was like, man, I wish I had listened to this and invested in this stuff for the eight years that I was with my ex-husband because we were just like to the blind leading the blind. Like, you know, we were just living off the fairy tale. We had a big love that was very, very instant, very explosive, very connected. You know, I, he's definitely some soulmate of mine. I still love him dearly. And we just believed the fairy tale that, Oh my God, we found the one Mm -hmm. we don't, like have to do anything. We're just like amazing together. And I mean, I think we, of course we put work in, but I know myself, I had a belief that like our love would conquer all. Like Mm -hmm. I just, and I didn't really need to work that hard 
when I made the decision to leave, because after all this time, I was like, oh my gosh, my needs are not being met. I'm not meeting my needs. I don't know what's up. And I listened to all of her different, um, the podcast series that's, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but um, where she actually, they're open sessions basically with couples and it is fascinating and mm. everyone is moving through at different times of their relationship, yeah. all these different things that I moved through, but I just didn't have any tools or any space or any understanding of what was actually going on. So amazing. Yeah. Kelly and I listened to those. We listened to those podcasts together. It's great. Those conversations yeah. when we're on a road, on the road or something. Yeah. I love that. I love You'll probably that. Listen, we'll probably listen to some of her stuff on the way to, on the way home for Christmas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So back to the, and the issue at hand that you're avoiding right now. <laughs> well, it's not, it's not like the avoidance is, is a part of my life. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was, I was journaling about that the other day where it's, it is going to be, it's not something that's going to be like gone. Yeah. Okay. This isn't a thing anymore. It's going to come up in different ways and I need to understand that. And I'd made a lot of progress. Um, and it wasn't necessarily that that existed. It was that I was letting it, um, I, it was, le- I was letting it really, I wouldn't say damage the relationships, but definitely, definitely push, push her away. Mm-hmm. And, there, and there's, and there's, there's a role to be played in that. And that's one thing that being able to communicate this is super fucking helpful. Cause I'm like, this is how I'm feeling. It's not your fault. And there's also things that we can both do differently to make this not be the case. Yeah. Right. Since we live together, we both work from home. I mean, you get yeah. that. Like you're, it, like it's like we're kind of on top of each other, which does, it doesn't help the connection that much to be together that often. So it's like, Hey, like I, I get out of the house as much as I can. You know, we go to now it's like little things like since, and this is one thing I think is important is since that kind of situation, um, we decided like I go to a different gym than you. Mm-hmm. Like we, we can go to the same gym if we want. We like know the owners and shit. Like it's not that big of a deal <laughs> if we want to, but like generally speaking, we don't work at, we don't go to the gym together. Yeah. Right. And that's awesome. And we don't go grocery shopping together that much. It's like little things where it's like that stuff. It's just little things. Like it doesn't have to be super fucking crazy. It's like little things like that. Yeah. You know, and, and there's one funny thing that like, I knew I've known this for a long time because I always used to get in trouble doing this in my last relationships. It's like, I like to talk about women and that was important to me in some weird way. And it's like, and I don't want to do it to like jab. And I, I'm conscious of I'm doing it of like, um, if I'm doing it to push someone away, but it's like, I want to have that kind of like fun bantery dialogue. It's like really, it's, it's exciting for me. And it, it almost makes me feel like I'm doing something a little bit wrong, but it's almost like we're both doing it together. Like that's something I wanted to be able to do, which is a hard thing for a woman to, to overcome. I mean, you can, you can imagine, right? So little things like that where it's like, Hey, can you, can you try and do this with me? <laughs> you know, just, can you try? Like, you don't have to have it all figured out right now, but like, this is something that I think would be really helpful for me. And if I'm ever doing, going too far, like you have full permission to tell me to shut the fuck up. <laughs> I love it. So you like to talk about like past women or just like people you're finding attractive or just whatever. Yeah. I'm talking about like, I mean, I love that. Not, I, not past partners as much. Uh, that, cause that's, that's a little too close to home, you know? Mm. Um, I don't even think about past partners that much, honestly. Um, but like just I meet mean, somebody on TV, yeah. right? Like um, uh, I was talking about, I don't know if you saw that a lot of the girls that are doing the Miss USA pageant, like I've seen these like people have been sharing this stuff, but like six of them were black, right? Right. And like two of them were smoke shows. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, hey, babe, check this girl out. <laughs> I, like, sent it to her. I was like, hey. And sometimes it was, that's like... It's fun and it, it's, it makes us both feel like we're doing something novel and different. Totally. And sometimes but there is a, there's a line, right? The part of that, that's how far non-monogamy can be like in some relate in some monogamous context like that is totally wrong whereas yeah and i think people don't always understand that about non-monogamy is like it doesn't actually necessarily mean 
you're out fucking people every weekend. Like I was in an open relationship with my ex-partner for 18 months and I slept with like two other people the whole time yeah. we were together. One was my other partner that I had for the whole time we were together. And then there was like this one random one one isolated event yeah but you know non-monogamy can be and it might not even be non-monogamy i just i like the term just open because open to me means we're open to talk about reality like you're looking at a photo you find those two women incredibly attractive truth like it doesn't mean anything it just means that you're a human being and you're finding them attractive and like i just know that i the relationship that i do want to cultivate relationships i do want to cultivate in the future is like the kind of relationship where if I go to the cafe and I sit down and I get chatting with someone and we have this really nice connection that I can talk about it. It doesn't mean I will ever see that person again. Yeah. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll have another relationship with them. It could be some, anywhere in the spectrum of like yeah. literally never seeing them again to like falling in love with them. But I don't <laughs> want to feel as though that is out of bounds and off limits because yeah. if it's off limits, it's not real because it happened. So it's real. So let's just talk about it. And I also don't want to be with someone who is going to pretend that like, oh yeah, I just met you and I never find anyone attractive ever again in my life. I'm like, yeah, it's really, it's really naive. And it it does, it does, it does kind of throttle back on how there's a tension in that, that if you can learn to use it in a healthy way. And this is so much of this has to do with respect. Mm -hmm. This is, it's, it's 1 million percent of respect game. Yep. And Respect that's, that's, and safety. How safe do you oh, feel yeah. in the container? If you feel safe, I mean, if I feel safe in the connection I have with someone, nothing can really threaten that. Yeah. Or like any threat I perceive can be worked through very like calmly and easily. If I do not feel safe, everything's a threat. Not even another woman. Like your work is a threat. Your friends are a threat. Like everything is a threat because I feel like with my abandonment stuff, like I'm constantly about to lose you. I'm about to lose you. Like you're going to withdraw. You're going to go away from me. So I find that fascinating as well. Like it's not as black and white as like people of the opposite sex, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think looking at this, one thing that we've talked about a ton and we spoke about this on our podcast as well is, is like understanding and like even accepting, like this is an easy way to start this whole conversation especially with abandonment being a piece of it for Kelly, that's a big deal too, mm-hmm. um, is knowing like, listen, like you're going to fantasize about other people and that's like totally fine. Like the other day, it was a couple of weeks ago, but I was, uh, I was like brushing my teeth or something. And I was like, Hey, did you rub one out today? <laughs> she was just like fucking around. She was like, yeah. And I was like, who are you thinking about? She goes, none of your fucking business. Best. <laughs> and I was like, and she goes, she thought it was a player. She goes, she goes, oh, and then my response I was, I fucking that. love you. <laughs> It was just funny because it was like, it was, it was just, it was, it was playful and fun mm-hmm. knowing it's like, Hey, like, I don't like, what do we, I'm not so naive or like closed minded to know like that this is the situation. It, it actually helps our relationship be healthier because you get totally. some sense of novelty in your imagination, which is, that's your fucking imagination. You do with it what you want. And I think <laughs> if you do have that right tension and that right balance and you do feel safe, like it can still keep you on your toes, so to speak, in a good way. Like, yeah. oh, maybe she's thinking about someone else. Like, damn, I want to like make sure she's like yeah. feeling like loved and desired no. and satisfied. I, 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 and... I, better, I better fuck her right in the real life. Yeah. <laughs> but like that can definitely tip over to a really unhealthy place. Yeah. Um, it can but, become comparison. Yeah. Yeah. But if you keep it like in the real world and just in reality, it's like, yeah, I, I, I can't take my partner for granted. And that happens like that happened in my marriage. We took each other for granted and our sex life suffered. Like it, 
and I'm not saying it was terrible or any, anything like that, but I mean, I just think we, we did ourselves a disservice because we, we, we took everything out of the picture, which means there was not a lot of room for desire. And, you know, Esther Perel's the basic thing that I learned from her that was just so profound was like, we desire what we don't have. Yeah. And when we have the thing, whether it's a new handbag or a car or a partner, the desire element is, is gone. So how can we create just that right amount of tension in this particular dynamic that just keeps that desire there? Yeah. And all that to say, coming back to my avoidance piece is I'm not trapped, right? Mm. <laughs> it's like just that all that to give context. So like we I have this playful fun thing that we like create together and exactly. And I think, you know, looking at something else as Sapparel says, like fire needs air, right? Like you just got to have the space, but yeah, it's that understanding that about yourself that like love these, these tropes and these, these little cliche statements, like love conquers all, right? Which I, I guess in certain scenarios, but mm-hmm. that's so reductionist and that doesn't really encapsulate the whole picture and people saying things like love and fear don't exist in the same yeah. container at the same time. And I'm like, that's Not fucking true. stupid. <laughs> But that's, it, sound, it sounds really, really good. And it makes you feel like warm and fuzzy inside. But so does Winnie the Pooh, right? It's like, it doesn't yeah. mean that's how you need to live your fucking life, right? It's, it's, it's one how do you deal with this current moment? Like that yeah. fucking quote is not helping me get through this anxiety yeah, attack I'm having right now. <laughs> it's making me feel like if I have love and fear in the same situation at the same time that I'm now fucked up, right? Which is not the case. And it's like, like that's that's the, that's that's this this dialogue internally where it's like, okay, I have a I have fear here and I have love here, and it's like, which one do I do I choose? And knowing that there's risk in both both sides of that situation, and wh- how are you how are you conditioned to choose, right? Like, what is your what are your limits on your free will based on your context? And that's kind of higher level, but it, it is interesting to to see people want to and seek to take especially love relationships, connection and, and boil them down to really yeah. fun things that'll get shared on Instagram. Mm, so interesting. Well, and I think, I think, you know, just to wrap up and come back to my thing, it's like often the whole love and fear can't exist. Well, they do. And often what we want, we resist at the same time without it even seeing that we're resisting it. And that's, you know, that's, that's where I'm at right now, where I'm, mm. I'm saying on the one hand, I want all of this beautiful conscious connection. And on the other hand, I'm scared of it. So that exists side by side and that's okay. And like, I'm figuring through it and seeing where I resist yeah. um, is my ego saying, I, I want to be righteous. I want to be the one who can see all the things and the other people around me are like, Sarah, guide us. And like, that's, I got to let go of that because that's not growth. Like I will not grow in that place. I will bring a lot of people on a ride, a journey as far as they want to go. And then I won't be going on yeah. necessarily my own journey. So for me, I need to practice, practice being with people who can teach me and practice being surrendering my ego and being like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Tell me, help me. So yeah, that's where I'm at. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing too. I think, I think looking at this thing and just openness in general, like openness to experiences in life. And that, that's just novelty and experiences and exploring and being curious about what there is out there for you. And to do that, you have to process shame a lot of times. It's what I work with people through a lot is really creating an openness to the experience of life. And that may mean fucking skydiving. It may mean like going for a walk by yourself. Like it could be so many things, but, but there's things out there and understanding like there's things out there in the world in life that you'll so enjoy and find and find real joy in is you don't even know exist. And if you don't 
open yourself up a little bit and get outside of your traditional boundaries of experience, well, then you're really limiting your ability to express yourself. And that may mean sexually in relationships, that may mean in work, that may mean in just your, your, your general connections and way of going about life. It, it, it's, it's something that I feel if it can be developed, it, it requires understanding why you have restricted yourself and put these boundaries on your, on your life experience, but it is so fulfilling over, overall and it, it creates this kind of positive feedback cycle in life where you can be compassionate for yourself and maybe do something you hate. Maybe you jump into mm-hmm. a threesome and you're like, that was the worst experience ever. <laughs> you know, never do that again. But that doesn't mean that you were wrong or should be ashamed of yourself. It's like, oh, well, I tried it. No, you're not meant yeah. to get everything right. You're meant to just have experiences and see how you feel. And I think it's the, the reflection and the seeing how you feel and how you move forward is what matters versus like, mm. oh, I didn't really enjoy that. I wish I didn't do it. Like, that's not. Yeah, because you don't know. Yeah, and it's it's easy to think like I should do everything I everything right all the time, which is never really the case, and a very limiting way to look at the world. Totally, I agree. So what you're saying is I should just continue to have sex with all the people and see how it feels. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think that. <laughs> I'm kidding, and also I'm not having sex with all the people. Don't worry, I'm just just be, just being light. Yeah. But I have been having some fun, which is good. <laughs> all right. On that note, I think we'll wrap it up. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming Thank on you. the show. It's really fun. It's been great. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of In My Truth. You can find the show notes on my website under the tab podcasts or sarahregelhoof.com forward slash In My Truth podcast. To stay updated on all of our episodes, subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcasting app. We cover some pretty intense stuff in our episodes. So if anything is coming up for you, please don't be afraid to reach out for help. In the show notes of every episode, you'll find a list of resources but good friend Google will always be able to help you depending on where you're located in the world. Remember, you're not alone and there is hope even though it may not feel that way at times. Talk to someone, a friend or family member and let them support you. Reach out to a professional, do whatever you need to start your journey back to feeling good. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, either publicly or anonymously, head to my website and book in. Once again, it's sarahregelhoof.com forward slash in my truth podcast. Thanks again for being here.